Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and video cast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of What's Going On. I'm Pastor Katie, and I'm glad that you joined us. Today is a special episode in that uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about our experience at annual conference this year. I've invited uh, uh, our delegates for annual conference that represent our church uh, to be with me today to share their experiences experiences as well. And so I have with me today Tiffany Bestie, who, as you know, is no stranger to our podcast. Uh, We have uh, Craig Sherman, who is our facilities manager, but also longtime delegate, and Bob Thule, who is another longtime delegate for our church. And so we thought that uh, what we would do is maybe talk a little bit about what annual conference is. Um, We just don't want to ever assume that people kind of know these things. Uh, If you're involved in the local church that doesn't necessarily mean you're paying attention to what's happening uh, beyond that structure. Uh, And then we'll talk a little bit about our experiences. One thing I will say right off the bat is I was very grateful to be in person again this year. After doing annual conference online only in the fall, um, I never want to do that again. (laughs) Um, And so I'm just going to start off by talking a little bit about Um, what annual conference is. Um, So in the United Methodist Church, we are um, a connectional system, which means that all of the United Methodist churches uh, in the world are connected to one another. Uh, The most basic level, our unit, is the local church. Uh, And every year we have a meeting in the local church that's called our charge conference. Uh, So the DS, our district superintendent, comes and oversees that. The next level up is our annual conference. And that is all of the United Methodist churches in North and South Dakota make up our annual conference called the Dakotas Conference. And that's what we just went to. Uh, And then uh, the step above that is jurisdictional conference. And that is all the annual conferences uh, kind of in this region make up uh, the our jurisdiction. We're part of the North Central jurisdiction. uh, And that hasn't met. Uh, It got postponed due to COVID. And I don't actually know when that one meets again. Uh, And then above that is general conference, which I'm sure you might have heard a little bit about. We were supposed to have general conference in 2020. Obviously, with the pandemic that got postponed to 2021. With concerns around traveling for delegates all over the world, it got postponed again till 2022. And so those are kind of the levels of the church. Uh, So what we went to was our annual conference uh, representing all of the churches from North and South Dakota. And it was in Sioux Falls this year uh, at the convention center, and it was presided over by a new bishop. Uh, Bishop O uh, retired at the end of 2020. uh, And so we are being served currently by the residential bishop of Iowa, Bishop Lori Haller. Uh, And so that was fun to get to um, experience her for the first time. I really enjoyed her. I don't know, what were your impressions of her? I thought she was, she had really good um, sermons, uh, very provocative titles. I think one of them uh, she named, did Jesus just call that woman a dog? (laughs) And the other one, the ordination one was called whatever. And that was really clever, uh, the way that she, kind of turn that phrase about, you know, whatever is good, whatever is pure, think about those things. Um, so I just really, I appreciated her her leadership and, and I thought she was a good fit for us this year. But it definitely is different every time you get a new bishop. It has a different feeling mm-hmm. and a different um, kind of attitude. Uh, and so maybe let's just talk a little bit about some of the things. So 
This year, the conference was a little bit different because we, we had all of our legislation in one day, which kind of made for a marathon day for us. So Friday was all legislation, all the things that we needed to vote on, all the kind of reports. And then Saturday was some teaching sessions and some workshops and things like that. Normally this is spread out over multiple days, um, but we did kind of a hybrid thing as well where people were in Sioux Falls and then we had people in satellite um, like locations. So there were people gathered in Rapid City, in Fargo and in Bismarck uh, kind of tuning in uh, via like Zoom or something like that. Uh, so that was a little different too, made for a different sort of feeling as we would vote and then have to wait and hear how the other sites were doing and um, kind of created some awkward pauses for sure. So I just want to, let's just jump right in and just talk really briefly about um, some of the things that we voted on. And then I want to hear a little bit more about kind of your experiences, but make sure that you jump in. The first thing that I have is that we, uh, we talked about the budget. So one of the things that we do at the annual conference is set the conference budget. So at a local charge conference, one of the things the churches does is approve the budget for the church. And so at the annual conference, we approve the budget for the whole conference. And that includes our conference staff, that includes all of the ministries that we do at the conference level um, and different things like that. And, I th and one of the things that I noticed is that they, the conference worked hard to lower their budget for this year. Um, so it's not as large as it was last year. Um, and then I think the other big thing is that the apportionment uh, changed. And so, how, do you remember how long ago it was that we used to go by the old apportionment formula that was really complicated? How long have, has that been? It's been a while. Four or five years at least, I think. All right, yeah, so if maybe even longer. Uh, a while ago, uh, we used to have a really kind of complicated formula for what churches paid in apportionments. And apportionments is what our church pays to the conference to help support the ministries that we share together. And then the conference also pays apportionments to the general conference. Again, we're all connected and there are things that we do together. Um, and it used to be based on the membership of the church. Five or six years ago, maybe longer, uh, we changed from basing it on membership to basing it on what a church takes in on what they are calling a tithing model. And it was 16% of whatever the church's income is that we would then pay on to the conference. Uh, and that was really beneficial to a lot of churches. And I think a church this size, it really became uh, a smaller number for us to pay in. Well, what we learned was that really the hope was in making that change was eventually the conference would lower that percentage down to 10% to a tithe, which is uh, kind of a biblical um, precedence for you know, what you kind of pay back. Uh, and they hadn't done that. It stayed at 16% this whole time. And so they finally this year proposed that we move it to 15% and then just start making that incremental decline. Um, I know some of the discussion was kind of, is this the right year to do that? Uh, which what I understood is they said, there's never a good time. <laughs> we just need to do it and be faithful. Um, and so that's, I mean, so what that means for us as the church is that starting uh, when this takes effect, 
15% of what you give to the local church will go to support the ministries and, and what happens at the conference level, which everything the conference does is designed, again, to support uh, the local churches. That includes your DS's salary, um, pensions uh, for pastors and leadership, um, just all kinds of things. Yeah. Yet camping ministry, and I know that camping ministry has been trying to move to, to not be reliant upon the conference uh, to support them, that they would become self-supporting at some point. I don't know if they've done that yet, though. Um, but yeah, camping is another one of our conference-wide ministries. Originally, it was going to be like a 6.3% decrease from last year, but then there was the issue about the general conference apportionments that you know hasn't been changed and it can only be changed at general conference so yeah i mean the reality is with general conference having been postponed and being postponed again um it, it creates some some issues for things because there are a lot of things that can only be decided at general conference and without having it we're kind of having to operate on what has been um in good faith and so that's that, that's caused some issues as far as trying to know what the right thing to do is or what the right figures are for some of those things. But we, we have people in our conference that are always paying attention to those things and asking those good questions. So I'd say the next uh, piece of legislation that we dealt with at annual conference, for me personally, was one of the hardest things um, that, that we dealt with that day. And that was we have a church uh, in our conference that was that had voted to disaffiliate um, with the United Methodist Church. So that means that that church had gone through a process um, to no longer become United Methodist. They wanted to leave the United Methodist denomination and they also were not planning to go toward any other Methodist affiliate, affiliated denomination. Um, but in order to do that, um, Man, there's just a lot of like backstory we have to talk about with some of these things. Uh, every church building uh, in the United Methodist denomination is not actually owned by the individual churches. They are held in trust with the conference. Um, and so if you as a church want to leave the United Methodist Church, uh, you actually have to go through a process with our conference board of trustees. So just like our church has a board of trustees that handles everything in the building and the grounds, and we actually have a conference one as well. And part of their job was to determine what the buildings and the, the land and all of that was worth, and then to make a proposal for how much it would cost that church to leave, to kind of buy out that property and be able to take it with them. And so the vote that we had at annual conference dealt with that proposal. Um, it wasn't uh, to kind of say, yeah, we want you to leave or not, because uh, nobody, nobody ever wants a church to leave. Uh, it was just whether or not we felt that what the board of trustees at the conference level came up with, the figures they came up with were fair and right um, for that church to pay in order to take their property with them as they left. Um, and I just think there were a lot of people that um, it was just really painful because we just don't want to see churches leave. Um, and we haven't had one since I've been a pastor. I, I, I can't think of another church that has gone through this process. 
I'm, I'm looking at the two of you, you know, in case you could pick up we've one. We've had churches that have closed their doors, but not right. to leave and try to keep their belongings. And then this issue really centered, the question really was, do we approve the contract that was legally negotiated between that church that was leaving and the conference mm -hmm. trustees? And this was their recommendation that we do approve that. Right. Um, a lot of the discussion, though, kind of centered around the process that the church went through and whether or not it was appropriate or um, done, handled correctly. But that end of, end of the day, that really wasn't what the vote was about. Um, but you could just tell that there was a lot of um, emotion, I think, around that topic. Um, and so that one was a really tough thing. So that church also, the pastor who pastors that church will also be leaving uh, the denomination and, and staying with that church. Um, so that was also another level of, um, I think, grief for a lot of people, especially as clergy, because we're in covenant together. And so when one of us chooses to leave, um, there's pain associated with that. And, um, and so, you know, just kind of naming that that was part of our day. Um, yeah, and un unusual. It's not one that I had experienced before. It was quite time-consuming, actually. We spent many hours on that. We did. It really, for having only one day to discuss all of the business, um, that did take up quite a bit of time. Um, and it made us kind of have to, our schedule just got really <laughs> thrown out the window, basically. But Tiffany, as someone who this was your first annual conference ever, kind of what was your thought or experience around, around that discussion? Um, well, not only my first annual conference in the United Methodist, but probably my first real like um, discussion that brought about motions, that brought about amendments, that brought about the discussion of the emo the uh, motions and the amendments. So it was, it was very interesting for me seeing it the first time. And as you said, you could tell when people got up to speak either on for or against it, a lot of emotion yeah. and a lot of you know, people just struggling with wanting to keep our United Methodist churches together and mm -hmm. working towards that common goal. But at the same time, you know that there are reasons why the Dickinson Church is making the decision that they did. And, you know, they took a vote amongst their church and that's yeah. what was decided up there. So, yeah, very interesting to see it all firsthand and uh, uh, kind of be witness of it. But, um, you know, as you said, we're just kind of always hopeful that we're choosing to do the right thing for, for all the parties that are involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one of the things, it was, I, I felt I felt kind of bad for Tiffany. We use Robert's Rules of Orders at annual conference, and it can be really hard to follow sometimes what's happening um, because uh, it's there's a very formal process to go through, and um, you can kind of get lost on what step we're on in any given moment. And uh, one of the next uh, resolutions uh, became really difficult to kind of follow. For, for the fact that Robert's rule of, Rules of Orders has so many pieces to it. Um, so anyway, that, that disaffiliation did get approved. And so that church has until the end of this month to pay what has been agreed upon. If they do not pay that, then the contract or covenant is not valid anymore. Um, and so that is uh, something that, that was dealt with at annual conference this year. The next thing that came up uh, for discussion, what we had two resolutions this year that were proposed, um, and the first one was called a vision for a more just church. And this resolution um, 
I want to actually pull up and read the description that the annual conference came out with um, because I think it's helpful to kind of um, make sure I'm, I'm saying the right thing. It says, the aspirational resolution calls for the Dakotas Conference to welcome LGBTQ plus persons into leadership, including the Board of Ordained Ministry, local congregations to welcome and include LGBTQ plus members in full participation, respect clergy's discernment on marrying same-sex couples, and urges the bishop to refrain from the conducting clergy trials. The word I want you to hear there in particular is the word aspirational. This resolution, much like the resolution that came before annual conference two years ago in Fargo called the Wallstrom Resolution, both of these do not change anything within our book of discipline or in our practice of ministry necessarily. Um, they are aspirational. They are, um, this is where we would like to go. So the idea of passing both the Wallstrom Resolution or the vision for a more just church was I think, and this is my editorializing, was for people to see kind of where our conference was as far as um, wanting inclusion or not. Uh, it, again, it doesn't change anything. It kind of says we would hope that this would be the case. Um, and so, as you can imagine, there was a lot of discussion about this one, uh, just as there was two years ago. Why are there you? at the annual conference in 2019 Bismarck. in Fargo. Bismarck. Oh, Bismarck. I keep saying Fargo. It was in Bismarck. Bismarck. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, again, this is something that we all know that that is a big discussion within the, the larger church. And um, and and it's no the Dakotas are no exception that this is something that we are discussing as well. So in 2019, the Wallstrom resolution passed. Again, that aspirational, it didn't change anything um, practically in the last two years in churches. It doesn't change our bylaws in the Book of Discipline. It doesn't change um, you know, what the general church has said, which uh, kind of overrides anything the annual conference does. It's just saying this is kind of uh, what people hope for. Now, this resolution also passed. It, the vote was 179 yes to 172 no. So that tells you that it was a close vote um, and that there's um, people in our annual conference that are on, I think, all sides of, of this topic. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of discussion. This was one where there was an amendment that uh, did not get passed uh to it um motion to postpone there was a motion to postpone the vote that got over yeah there was a lot of yeah. things to keep straight as far as delegates and voting um but so so the dakotas conference to this vote is there there is a slight majority in the delegates to annual conference that are in favor of um, working toward inclusion now that doesn't mean that every dakotas church, every Dakota's member, uh, every Methodist in the Dakotas, that's where they are. Um, and we recognize that and see that within the vote. And so I'd be curious, uh, you know, what you saw and heard during that discussion. And again, remembering that um, it doesn't change our book of discipline, only the general conference can do that. Um, it just is where people hope to be. Well, we we had uh, 
one person I remember, I believe, said that they were transgender mm -hmm. and uh, quite committed to Christ and uh, gave a very powerful expression of his or her feelings and uh, I think it moved a few people. We had some pastors, some of which we know and uh, and uh, who also were quite strongly supported this resolution. So if you listen to them, these are people that are committed to Christ. So I'll leave it there for your own opinion forming. You know, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything, but it does make you stop and think, is this really the way our church needs to go? And where, where do I personally feel on that? Yeah, I would say probably more in 2019 than this year, you know, with the Wallstrom resolution passing, I don't know that anyone saw that happening. Um, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people. And for me, it was really eye-opening to, um, to realize that uh, um, you never really know where people are or you never really know what people's stories are. And, and, and so for me, it's really been important in the last you know, a few years to really sit down and, and listen to people, listen to my colleagues um, as we try to navigate all of this. Um, I think one of the wonderful things about our conference is that we're a small enough conference that we know each other. Um, and I would say that for me, that was one of the more powerful pieces this year was really um, uh, to hear that person's story. Uh, they were one of the writers of the resolution, which is why they, they got to speak to it as much as they did. Um, but, you know, I'm always amazed to hear people's stories. Now, that's the thing, you know, we, we tend to form opinions based on what we see. And we don't always see the whole picture. And it's like getting to know an individual. We hear them speak once, but we don't know where they came from or what is their story, what their life has been like and what their influences have been and, and their upbringing and, and everything, you know, and, and uh, you don't know those things about a person. And once you do, especially someone you may not feel comfortable with, the more you know them individually, the more you build a relationship with them and you become friends. And so it's a get to know people. Get to know people, not just say, well, I don't like what they did. Well, how do you know who that person is? You don't know why they're there. The whys and the wherefores you don't see. Yeah. And again, to me, that's one of the blessings of a small annual conference that we have, um, but also being in person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that makes a big difference as well. Uh, and then just to move on, the third or the final resolution, which really didn't have much discussion at all to it. Uh, we were also hitting toward the end of the day. I think everyone was a little, let's just get done, <laughs> um, was the resolution to prepare for denominational separation. And so this one, in some ways, is kind of recognizing, again, looking at the fact that the, the vote on the previous resolution was, was very close. Um, that we are not all in the same place and that um, that there are churches uh, that are looking 
to potentially uh, split. Um, there is a new Methodist denomination that is, I think, kind of in the works called the Global Methodist Church. Um, and there are some churches that we are aware of that are kind of making plans to uh, join that denomination when it happens. Um, and so one of the things that the the writers of this resolution wanted to have happen was to have our conference level um, groups and and so it would be like the common table our board of pensions the dakotas foundation the conference council on finance and administration our camps and and there's a whole list of them to make preparations that if if our conference were to have a significant amount of churches that chose to leave that they could still we could still share in some of these ministries together that our camps would serve both the united methodists and this new denomination both the churches um, that we would share and our pensions that we would share all of these things and so the resolution was to um, just kind of prepare those different groups um, and so that resolution didn't actually have a lot of discussion around it. It passed as well. Um, again, it's not forcing us our hand in that there will be two denominations. We don't know that yet uh, because general conference hasn't happened. Um, but it's just anticipating um, that if this is the reality, that we're not scrambling um, as, as a conference to support our churches, which again is why a conference exists, is to support our local churches in the ministry that they do. Um, and so that was the main legislation that we dealt with. Again, that took all day, all day for all of that. Um, and then Friday evening, we had our um, service of celebration and life and ministry, which included our commissioning and ordination. Um, and we, we were super excited because Valerie Hummel-Labounty and her husband, Seth Labounty, were both ordained. Um, I have had Valerie on the podcast earlier uh, this spring. Uh, she's a former youth of this church. And so that was extra special to get to um, see her do that and be a part of that. Um, and that's really my favorite part of annual conference is that service. Um, I just, it's very meaningful for me. Um, you know, as, as someone who I think has been through the gamut of, I was one who came down and felt that calling and, and was prayed with, you know, that I went through and was commissioned and, and ordained. Um, and now, now I get the blessing of, of praying with others as they come down, uh, feeling their call into ministry. And I got to pray with um, a young girl who just graduated high school who felt a calling into ministry. Um, and so that was really special. And that's, like I said, it, for me, uh, one of my favorite parts of going to annual conference. It's always meaningful because I always recognize the ones that have passed on. Because mm -hmm. you know, years ago, we used to have three separate services, like a Thursday, the first night of conference, we usually had the memorial service, then the next night they had the orientation and ordination and stuff, and then the closing worship, but they just kind of combine them all, and they've done that for quite a few years, at least I know when I went to Sioux Falls in 2018, they had, were starting to combine it, and maybe they had before that, I don't know, because I... I was a developer for 10 years and then I was off for quite a few years before I started going back again. But yeah, I always find that service very meaningful. 
Yeah, one of the things they do is for when they do the in memoriam, um, if you ever attend that service, you will see uh, when someone's name and picture is on the screen, you'll see clergy that will stand up. Uh, and what they're doing is acknowledging that person had an impact on their life or they knew that person. And, and it's, so it's our way of honoring them. And so this year, like there was a my candidacy mentor. So when I, way back in the process, when I first decided I was gonna become a pastor, I spent a year meeting with Reverend uh, Elizabeth Conrad Smart. Uh, and I would go to her apartment and we would have lemonade and we would have discussions once a month. Uh, and she was really the first um, mentor in my whole process and she passed away this year. So for me, getting to stand up and honor her and honor what she poured into my life, um, that was really special. Um, and so I, I just, I don't know that it's ever explained anywhere what we're doing or why we do that. <laughs> um, so if you ever see that, um, and then some of the other things that I think are really neat is our, when someone is commissioned, uh, they, they get their robes put on them uh, by someone special in their life. And then when you are ordained is when you get your stole. And that is, um, if you saw me in worship this past week, you'll saw that I was wearing my robe and my red stole. That stole was this one I was given at ordination. Um, and they've started doing it where a retired pastor actually places the stole on you and it's sort of passing the mantle. Um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and so those are some of the kind of more uh, traditional symbolic things that we do in that service. But I would highly recommend anyone. That service is open for anyone to attend. Um, and so if you've never done that before. It's a very meaningful ceremony, especially if whether it's somebody in remembrance or somebody's getting ordained like Seth and Valerie, it's, it's meaningful when you know those people. Right. Yeah, so I was ordained in Bismarck um, and I was seven months pregnant. You know, my shoes didn't fit, they, my feet were swollen. They do a part where the bishop actually will wash your feet as an or when you are ordained as a sign of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And I remember the shoes I wanted to wear, I couldn't because I could barely get them on. I'm like, I'll never get them off uh, for the bishop to wash my feet. Yeah. Uh, but that night when they had the call, because they always will have an opportunity that if you are feeling a stirring in you to come and, and to be prayed for. And that night my husband came down. And it's, I, it surprised. I, didn't, I never saw that coming. I was like, what's, I'm like, are, are we going to be a pastor couple now? What's going on? Um, and he can, and I mean, I was just in tears and and we were praying and there was someone praying for us. And he said afterward that I'm going to start crying now, just thinking about it. And I thought about it Friday night as well. Um, it was his accepting of his role in our ministry together. It's not always about your calling to be a pastor. It's your calling that whatever God is calling you to and what is your role. My husband doesn't as far as we know, doesn't have a calling to be a pastor. He has a calling to be my partner, though, as I am a minister. And that's what he was accepting that night, uh, which was good. I mean, we'd been married a year at that point, so it's probably good that he did that. But going to that service reminds me of that and reminds me of you just never know how God's going to speak to people in that moment. 
So that, and then my other favorite thing is we always have some a representative from another denomination there as part of that. And so we had um, a ELCA Lutheran pastor that came uh, who's an associate to the Bishop of South Dakota. Um, and I always enjoy that as well. That service can be found online, can't it? I believe so. I believe, I think everything was, you know, recorded this year. You can find most things from annual conference, including a description of all of the resolutions and things I went through on the Dakota's conference website, which is dakotasumc.org. Um, and I'd invite you to go and check that out, especially if you have questions about anything um, related to kind of the decisions that were made or, or um, kind of what happened on Saturday as well, which we'll dive into a little bit. Um, so Saturday, uh, normally our workshops and our teaching sessions are kind of sprinkled throughout annual conference, but this year they put it all on Saturday um, where you could either uh, be in person or you could watch them online. Uh, and so they brought in a teacher um, from Ginghamsburg Church, which is Mike Slaughter's church in Ohio. It's not, Ging what is it called? It's in Ginghamsburg. It's called Ginghamsburg United. It is true. So okay. <laughs> she was from the Tip City. I think there's one in Tip City and another. Oh, one. like a campus. Yeah, there's two. I mean, when I went online to check things out, it there were there's two campuses, one in Tip City and one Fort McKinley or something. And okay. I think they're in the suburbs of north of Dayton. So yeah. I kind of got the impression. Um, so Mike Slaughter is is kind of a well-known name in the United Methodist. Uh, connection he's written a lot of books and studies um and and i've he had one called renegade jesus i, I think. think we did that one here a few years back um that's one of my favorites uh that's a great study uh so anyway i thought she was great i i i saw her first teaching session um and she was just so engaging and so i i would be curious um that for the two of you uh, what you kind of heard from your teaching and wor workshops and what you learned. Well, I, and, you know, her, I was, thought she was phenomenal too. And one thing that I got out of, the, out of the first session Saturday morning, the teaching session, was she talked about, you know, where the denomination is and what we're going and there's going to be a lot of hard conversations that we're going to have to be going through over the next few years. And so she proposed like four peacemaking practices or four steps that you should go through and they are one ask anything so don't be afraid to ask anything two which i thought was very important was listen well three freely disagree because we aren't always going to agree with each other and you, we should feel free to voice our stances and opinions and then four probably really important is to love regardless whatever it is you know realize we're all valuable and we all have the right to our opinions and to disagree to disagree and but it needs to be a peaceful discussion and not a name calling and fist to cuff, you know. <laughs> fist to cuff. So, I mean that's one of the things I got out of the morning the afternoon session then she had talked about um, you know as we try to grow disciples and stuff that we can get people by making disciples that disciples make disciples, not the programs that you have in the church. And so one of the things she talked about was, you know, getting out there, the people that are here to share their, I think she called the Jesus story. And then she did have some, she went up through the congregation, you know, the audience out there and had them share some of the stories. And they were pretty, powerful, some powerful stories. 
sharing was with a young lady that is from Nepal and she actually had to leave her country because over there women are just expected to get married and that's it and she wanted to experience and you know have like a career I don't know and she was very passionate about Christ and I believe Bishop Holler's husband had offered to help with her education and so and she got up and it was a very powerful moment don't you? she had tears of gratitude she could hardly talk she was so choked up you know i love the, the idea of sharing our jesus story that's part of you know another term you could use is a god moment right yep. um, that's part of the reason that that I, I i incorporate that into our worship services is to get us to be thinking about how god is active in our lives and then also to get us used to sharing that um, that's why i actually want you to turn to your neighbors and share your god moments and i see when i'm looking out there people going oh no <laughs> oh i don't like this it's, in, you know, unless we practice that, unless we um, are paying attention, um, it's not necessarily a natural thing. But, but that is how we grow disciples. That is how we invite new people in um, to this new way of life is by sharing our stories, by sharing our God moments, the way that God has made an impact in our life. Um, and so, you know, I love that that it all kind of connects together. And anytime that I can, you know, talk about God moments, I'm going to jump in and do that. So <laughs> well, we had we had probably four or five people that expressed their God moments. And we could tell you about others, but, you know, we're constrained with time. here. <laughs> so what would you say coming away from this year? And I think this year, again, annual conference was different in that, you know, not everyone was together. We had those those sites. Um, where you know our time was shortened this year where we're, we're again I'm, I'm I'm gonna put on my feedback don't make us do legislation for a whole day ever again like you need to break <laughs> that up um, but what coming away from that uh, the experience this year you know what what are you coming away feeling what are you coming away um, things that really stuck out to you this year well I would say having this be my first experience and knowing that we had um, other locations that were meeting um, I anticipated that it would I, I didn't know how many people would be there but that we would have a lot of people at those other locations and to still have as many people that we had come to Sioux Falls you know that for the group of people that are gathering every year that's a really important time that they all want to get together and I was definitely sitting back more observing everything that I was seeing, but you could see that when the people are getting together for annual conference, there is a very strong connection with all of the people in that room. And even when there are differing opinions on whatever the topic might be, that we're all, we're all there to help and support one another and to take care of each other. And knowing that even that there's plans possibly being looked at for what the future of the United Methodist Church is, we're still trying to do it in a very supportive way. And I could watch the three that have been at other conferences make their connections with the people that they have previously. It's just a really great opportunity to bring all those people together who, who think the same and have the common goals and they just so instantly connect with one another that it's just a really great opportunity every year for that to happen. And you, you meet people and make new friendships, you know. And it's good to see them again after you've been there two or three years in a row, you know. 
look forward to meeting them. I, I saw Rodney Gist there, and uh, he was a, he's been involved was involved in camp ministry, but his brother happens to be married to one of my aunts, <laughs> and uh, and he's been in some of our family functions. So I, it's good to see him again. Yeah. Well, and you had discovered another another relative that was... Yeah, <laughs> I, I realized that I had a second cousin and his wife who were there at the convention from Millbank, and I didn't even know they were Methodists. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to visit with them, too. So Yeah, very connection. You never know who you're going to know, really. <laughs> so what, a, what about you as far as coming again this year from such a different annual conference? I mean, it was good to be back in person after what we experienced last fall. I didn't really enjoy, you know, I don't really like sitting at a computer and, and there because you didn't have the visual like with Zoom meetings. I mean, it was pretty much you were just kind of watching yeah. or listening and stuff. And, and it's always good, you know, because I've been here in Yankton for 30 some years. And so when I go to conference and I reconnect with all our previous pastors mm -hmm. and I actually reconnected with a member from that moved to Pierre a year or so ago and she was a Joy Corman was a, del yeah, was a delegate yeah, from Pierce, right. so I got to visit Saw with her, her and catch yeah. up on how her and the family are doing. So it's always good. I mean, there's people I met 20 years ago that are from different churches that, you, that are still coming to conference. And so it's good to reconnect with them. Yeah, I would say the same as, you know, I would say that's that's so much of it is, is the connection that we have together and the support that we have, not only just with, um, you know, colleagues and and as a pastor, as you know, we're itinerant, it's our time to get to kind of see people that, you know, we used to serve with. And, um, you know, I thought I was annoying Tiffany because we went to breakfast and every, <laughs> here, come sit with us, here, come to us. Um, you know, and I was like, she's hardly getting a word in edgewise. But um, again, I think it just speaks to who we are as Methodists, that we are connected, that we are all in this together and that we all have the same mission and purpose. Um, and even though we might not all agree about how that needs to come about or on some of the details, um, our heart is there. Um, and that's something I've, I've never doubted, um, that we all share the same heart for the Lord. And, and, and we're there because we care. We care about God's people. We care about um, our witness into the world. Um, and we're just trying to find our way forward. And, and, but for me, and, I, and I've been to other annual conferences, uh, you know, when I was in seminary and younger, and, and I will say that that's not necessarily descriptive of every annual conference. Ours really has a familial feel to it because we know each other. Um, even if we're across theological lines, um, we still share in ministry together. Um, and, and that's something that I've always loved about the Dakotas um, and something that I still saw evident in, in the conference this year. One of the workshops that we had, I felt that I went to, I thought really had a strong connection to the, the way through hard conversations, which was the uh, Rachel Bullock's uh, theme in her speech, but it was called Conflict Transformation Skills for, Te for Churches. And uh, I learned a lot about that. And one of the main things I learned was you stay focused on the issue. Don't get sidetracked into the emotional parts of things, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you got to sit your emotion aside and say, well, just really what is the conflict here and how can we work to an understanding, you know. Yeah. 
And for me, I, as you know, as a pastor and as a leader, and, and this is, you know, again, not a new conflict, some of what we've been dealing with, um, is, is to remember that that conflict doesn't trump mission. Uh, and that, that should always be our primary focus is, yeah. is our mission and that we work through these conflicts, we work through these disagreements, but at the end of the day, all of us have more in common than what we do right. not. Yeah. All of us have, um, again, and should have the same mission and focus, and there's a lot we can do together. Um, and so to not let any one thing uh, uh, trump the mission, I think is really important to remember. Yeah. Um, and so obviously, uh, annual conference doesn't solve all the problems of the world, nor will it ever, I don't think. Um, but we just wanted to kind of uh, let you know that uh, what, what has, is happening on the denominational level, know that um, there is nothing at this time that the church needs to be doing. Um, no changes to our book of discipline can be made except at general conference, and that is not happening until 2022. Um, and so we are in a lot of ways in, in a holding pattern until we have more concrete information as to what is happening. Um, and so until then, I encourage you and urge you to be praying for our church, be praying for the leadership, the bishops of our church, Church, uh, for the delegates who have taken on the role and responsibility to help discern the best way forward, um, and just for our local churches that we continue to put our mission first, to remember that whatever decisions are made, um, that our job is to love people. Our job is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Uh, or to equip them for ministry in the world, as we say in our church. Um, but but just as you as you are, I'm o I'm open for um, conversation. If you'd like to talk more about this, again, I would also refer you to the conference website. Uh, that's going to have a lot of helpful information there as well. Uh, but I just want to take a moment and thank you for coming to annual conference this year for uh, the work that you are all doing uh, to be a part of this. Um, it's not always the most fun uh, to sit in meetings all day, but I know that um, all of you uh, took it seriously and put your heart into it, and I'm so grateful. Well, uh, <coughs> just a quick reminder that I will be on vacation from June 18th through the 30th, and so um, I will be out of the office, but do call the office if you have any needs, and they will do their best to support and help you. Don't forget to come to worship the next two weeks where we will have Dr. Bruce Forbes and Bruce Bloomer coming to share uh, messages, and those two you do not want to miss. Um, and so until then, God bless you, and have a great week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What's Going On, a video and audio podcast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. We'd love to have you join us for worship on Sundays, and we have two options available. 9 a.m. is our contemporary service, and 10.30 a.m. is our traditional service. You can find those online as well at our website, www.firstumcyankton.org, or on YouTube. 